This is episode 50, Communication is Key. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Maria. I'm Deb. And here's our podcast. For the realistic SLP. Thank you everyone for listening in. We're very excited. We have a fun episode for you all. First, we're going to get right into it and we're going to talk about the wine that we're drinking. So don't be shocked by this. We're drinking again, Grateful Palate Bitch Wine. And that's really just, again, the, I just really want to clarify this point. That is the name of the wine. Right. So totally recommend this wine. I vote drink it. Deb? Yes, I vote drink it as well. Um, even though I'm not having that wine right now because Maria and I are, are we're doing this on uh, our Zoom this is right. a special episode brought to you guys by Zoom, our unofficial affiliate. And I'm drinking right. this wine that's called Clean Slate. Nice. And it's a 2017 Rosé Pinot Noir. It's a German wine. Um, it's from a region of Rocky Hills and a charming river. And I got this wine because... I feel like lots of things are changing. This is a time of transition. And I felt like I saw clean slate and I thought I need to get this wine. See, when you say that, I already know why you bought the wine. You know, when you're like, I'm drinking clean slate. I'm like, I get it. Yeah. I totally get it. Do you get why I'm drinking bitch wine then? Um, I mean, like, you do get a bit testy, so... <laughs> She's just kidding, everyone. She's just kidding. <laughs> or, or are you? But I'm also I'm drinking this. very violent towards me when the camera's <laughs> off. <laughs> She's right. like, stop getting off topic, Deb. <laughs> right. Yes. The violence does not solve anything is all I'll say for that. <laughs> but I'm drinking this bitch wine because red wine is very healthy. So I'm trying to get a little extra healthy in the uh, preparation for bikini season. Really? You know? Yeah, I think I put too much pressure on myself for bikini season, but like who doesn't? Maybe people, maybe Deb doesn't, right? Okay, go ahead, Deb. <laughs> but I should, I mean, this is my first year where, where like, um, I can't say that I am the most happy with my body currently right now. And usually I'm like, wow, Deb, you look great. You and can't no, say you no, look that. This is not my favorite I've ever looked, but I'm not like hard on myself. I don't care that much. Um, I also know like everything I need to do to be happy. So it doesn't feel like a far reach or a far stretch to, you know, get where I need to be. So, um, but yeah, it definitely like, sometimes you let things slip and it, is fine but then also like your clothes don't feel as comfortable and it's just like eh, might as well just run right yes <laughs> i know i hate when the clothes are too tight as well yeah but drinking red wine actually is very healthy so no guilt here mm -hmm. this is uh you know not really a surprise i think we've all heard of this and do you ever know do you ever wonder or do you know why what it is about the wine that is good for you I think antioxidants. Yes. How did you know that one? Yes. All right. I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> the antioxidants, they lower your incidence of uh, cardiovascular disease, mortality, type 2 diabetes. But like we've said in the show, anything more than one glass is not helping you. So just sticking with my one glass and then I'll switch to tea. You know. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever had just one glass, but okay. it's cool to have, I think. Great. So what is going on with you? What's let's go on to our segment this week in life, this week in speech. So I go first. Yes, because I'm gonna sit here and drink a little. You know, I'm gonna really enjoy this wine. It's not one glass. Well, this week in life, um, I am moving. I'm moving to a new apartment. Um, and so right now we have like this nice grace period of 15 days to move from one apartment to the next, which is very nice. 
Um, uh-huh. But it's still uh, stressful because, you know, I'm going to miss this older, this location where I am currently. Um, right. But we are going on to new things, which is exciting. But I guess I, I do have like that concern of uh, not liking something as much, you know? But right. it is what it is. I'm also like, I'm afraid more so because like we're moving and it's going to benefit us and the dogs because there's a backyard. It's going to benefit me because I'm changing schools and I'm going to work at a school very close to this new home. Um, and I don't know how it's benefiting Mike. So I feel bad that this is quite dev centered, um, which is like a big weight to feel. Okay. I think you got a little bit cut off, but just for the audience members. So they know that, uh, you're going to have a backyard. So, cause I, yeah, that, that buh sound got cut off. So they're oh, like, what are they yeah. going to have? Backyard. Yes. Yeah, there's yes. a backyard, so we're looking forward to that. And I can tell Mike is looking, because, you know, walking dogs constantly is also difficult. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's a lot. And I feel as though I am very adaptable to change, and I kind of, like, thrive off of change. And um, not everyone shares that enthusiasm for change. You're shaking your head. You don't either. I initially don't, right? But then I have to like remind myself that change is good and I have gotten so much better with change because a lot of times, actually pretty much all the time, except for a few rare moments, change was actually very good. So, and you just adapt as humans, we adapt. So even in the beginning, if it's difficult and a change, (laughs) then eventually you will adapt and see the bright side of everything and then you'll just kind of come back to baseline right life will continue and everything will just fall back yeah and I just feel so stressed out because I feel as if I do very well with with change it doesn't bother me and I I'm I'm worried that my impulsivity and my like like my desire for change could negatively impact somebody else Named Mike Racine. Named Mike Racine, yes. I feel like right. to make sure he's happy. And, uh, well, it's a lot. But then this week in speech, my school ended on Friday, so I am not full-time in a school right now. And Virtual cheers to that. Clink. I am drinking this wine. Yeah, I feel very fulfilled. I feel very complete. I feel proud of this year. I think we did a lot of great work. Um, I'm changing schools. I will miss the school. I will miss these kids, but I think we did a lot of great work together, and I, I'm uh, doing really well with that transition. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now I have a bunch of uh, private cases that I'm seeing all throughout Brooklyn, and there's I've met a lot of new kids this week, and it's been fun. So what about you? What's going on this week in life? Great. So this week in my life, I've been dedicating time to my summer trip. Woohoo! So I've been researching, which I really enjoy. I feel like this is part of the part of travel that I like, the researching and looking into different towns. So if anyone knows anything about Sicily, Catantina, I'm messing up the name name. I don't have the pronunciations down right yet. The major town in uh, one of the second biggest cities in uh, Sicily. I think it's Catatina. I feel like I'm messing it up. So everyone who's listening and they know what I'm talking about and you have some recommendations, message me because I always like to hear people's personal recommendations rather than just like checking out what the websites say. So I've been researching that and I booked ferry tickets to go to different islands in Greece. So I'm going to three different islands so far. Uh, Paros, Milos, and Idra, which I hate saying them the American way. Paro, Milo, and Idra. There we go. Yes. See, it sounds so much better. Right. So I've been researching and booking stuff for my vacation. And I have my first Jewish wedding on Sunday, so I'm excited for that. Nice. I've never been to a Jewish wedding before, so I'm really excited to see like the and the, the religious aspect of that wedding oh, ceremony that I've never seen before. 
Yeah, all that stuff you see in the movies. I know, I have never, never seen that before, so that's cool. And my life in speech is going well. We're almost there. We're almost done with school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been just like making sure everyone's speech folders are perfectly in place and all their forms that need to be there are in there and everything that needs to be there is in there. And I've been using a lot of uh, Deb's coloring sheets. Oh, thank you. Because of your change of you moving and decluttering your office, I received mountains of papers. I am so appreciative and also sorry. I don't. No, you don't have to be sorry because I kind of like it because it's really just no prep. Like wonderful. I just feel like where did you get all the time to make all these materials? Like it, it worries me a little. I like it though. I mean, it's not hard when you like doing something. You You're know? right. I know. Cause my coworkers see it. I, teachers, like, this is cute. This I'm like, no, look that creative. You're lucky. My clothes match. Like, you know, everyone, I'm not that artsy. I should say what? But I, I think that it's obviously like, I'm not that great at drawing because everyone does always ask like, Oh, did you draw this to like people all the time? So it does seem very attainable. But kids like that, you know. They, they do. Today I had my new kids that I started with today. They were like, did you draw this? And I was like, yes. And they're yeah. like, wow. And I, yeah. I didn't have my iPad, but I told them I'd bring it next time to show them. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I had um, a client ask me too, and I was like, I didn't draw it. My friend drew it. So, I mean, if anyone who is listening is really good at drawing, I feel like embrace it because I am not, and I should probably like work on my drawing, but you know, I have a mountain of papers to use, so I don't have to yet, but once I get down and have a a small little mountain, I will be inspired, I think, to continue it. Yes. I hope so. So, um... That's a little side note there. So, uh, yeah, that's my week in life and my week in speech. So, if we want to transition into the summer right now, right? June 21st. is time of transition. Oh, yeah, June 21st is my birthday, but that's the first day of summer. summer. That's right. Cusp of Gemini and Cancer. Right. I know, but he seems a little more cancer because he's so emotional. He's definitely both. Um, but uh, yeah, so so like I need to start a goal for myself. I'm saying it now. I need to be more compassionate mm-hmm. for other people's feelings and ideas and stuff like that because I don't want to be somebody who's just like get into it. It's great. Dive in. <laughs> I mean, we're like, you can put your toe in, that's fine. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. so I need to work on um, being more compassionate with other people during their transitions. But I think transitions are great because it allows us to take things into a new direction. I like transitions. And actually, this is funny, this week in life, I've, uh, in yoga, I feel like they've been talking about transitions too. Like the beginning of one pose is like the end of another. So like, I don't know if you're doing like warrior one and then you do warrior two, like you've got to keep going. And that's like, that's just like how the whole practice should go. Like part, you know, the end of this transitions into a new thing and it's like life. Yeah. The flow. So maybe Mike, maybe Mike needed more time for the apartment move. And we wouldn't have had the apartment. Right. <laughs> there, I don't know. And then there. what if we both hate the apartment? I don't know. It could be a disaster. There's movies about this stuff. But <laughs> what I do know is that Mike and I are going to make it work. Yes, you will. You guys will make it work because humans are resilient. Yes, most creatures are resilient, I think. And uh, as long as you maintain communication, communication is key. So don't beat yourself up if you feel like you um, have been a sucky communicator lately because all you need to do is just better next time. Exactly. 
and everybody communicates in their own ways. And I feel like a big part that I'm always like saying or teaching people is that um, behavior is communication. So even like non-verbally also, you know? Yeah. And even some animals communicate. Right, yes. So animals communicate in all different ways. I thought you were going to talk about some forms of communication first before we transition. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So Maria, with her great transition skills, she's trying to lead us into our upcoming interview, uh, which is coming. But first, let's talk about how humans communicate in addition to the words that they say. That's right. So I want to talk about assertive nonverbal communication skills. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's how many aspects you might ask? Three, six, sorry, six aspects that I feel like we probably know about as SLPs, but we might as well talk about it. So posture is one of them, an open and relaxed posture that displays balance. And this is, by the way, by businessphrases.net. So this is in terms of like business or just everyday communication. This doesn't have to necessarily do with like quote unquote speech, you know, right, even though you're communicating with people all day, every day, regardless of like right. are professionally. So not just your words, but also your body language is conveying information. Exactly. So voice is the second part, and that's between obviously like pitch and volume. So keeping a good volume, not too loud. You're going to be like that annoying person who's too loud, obviously, or whispering all the time. You'll never get your point across. And um, I'm often that person that's too loud. Sometimes kids are like, ah, too loud. Sometimes. But also... (laughs) If I feel like I'm losing somebody, I might, um, like, change it up to wake them up. So I'll be like, uh-oh, or, like, look at right. that, or bah, they, beep, boo, do something, like, crazy. Like, I just change my pitch, especially if they're predicting I might sound a certain way because I have right. continue a certain way. I'll just do something crazy, and they're like, what was that, you wackadoo? And all I did was just go, like, beep, like, higher. Right. I feel like I have some weird pitch things, but I think they're just part of my personality. I'll be like, are you sure? And like, people will know if I'm like being sarcastic. And I'm just like, I don't know. That's just like how I communicate. But people like, they get it. They adapt. They're like, oh, that's just me. But I do try to be aware of that when I'm like first meeting someone. Like I'm not trying to sound sarcastic. Like this is just me, you know. I I don't know. But that's another fun fact. Uh, the third part is eye contact, which is you know like pretty, pretty straightforward. Maintaining mm-hmm. eye contact, which is very professional, but then also can be quite intimidating to both humans and animals alike. So. It's definitely something that you want to take into consideration and use appropriately. Right. Have you ever had adults that don't give appropriate eye contact? What do you do? You just like keep talking, right? You're not going to be like, look at me. You're not looking at me. Whatever makes them comfortable. You can look at the ceiling and talk to me. I don't care. Right. I know. (laughs) Interesting. We don't do that with adults, but with kids, we do try to get the eye contact. Well, I personally just like I like to get eye contact when I'm like getting a high five Uh I'm like find my eyes I do that or something I'll say it when I feel like what they're looking at is is distracting them from me but if they're doing what I want I don't really care where they're looking right gotcha I hear you I hear that yeah the fourth one. Oh, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. What was the fourth one? Oh, it's okay. Did you want to say more about eye contact? No, I'm done. Okay. Gestures is what I was going to say. And gestures I like <laughs> because they're just like tell so much. And like I try to be aware of like closed body language, like folding the arms and stuff. Right. And yeah. like the open postures or the open gestures. Yeah, and, like, and this, everyone listening right now is like, am I closed or am I open? Am I closed 
it's good to think about too on like a first date or something mm-hmm. you know like are you just like sitting there like really closed off even if you just are naturally sitting that way like you should think about that yeah I do typically stand with my hands on my hips or my hands down by my side because I feel like it's a power position and I don't it want is. anyone to assume I'm insecure or something so I always stand wide and proud <laughs> All right. Is that a compensatory strategy? Like, are you insecure and then you're just hiding it? No, I probably should be more insecure than I am. Even when people say there's things about me they don't like, I still keep going. (laughs) So like, I don't know. As long as you like them, not everyone's going to like you. So what are you going to do? Well, nobody cares about them. How about that? (laughs) What people think about you is none of your business. That's right. That is correct. Great. And then here's another obvious one. Smiling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Smiling. I feel like this conveys really well, especially like when you're on stage or public speaking, it's important to smile. Even if something like, not saying like laugh at your own jokes, but it's just like, it's, um, it allows your audience to relax when you're smiling. When you're comfortable, your viewers will be comfortable. So smile a lot. Yeah. A lot of times I just smile when I don't want the conversation to continue. And I'm like, I don't want to keep initiating like questions. I'm just going to like, just smile and be like, "Mm -hmm." right. Just hold the smile and hope they change the topic of conversation. Right. That's a good technique. Good technique, you know? Again, this is for just everyday life. So I'm just trying to get all the scenarios in there. But communication is key to everyday life and verbal or nonverbal then it's still uh quite important which brings us in to our newest segment oh i have one more left which is distance Distance. leaving enough space to talk and you know there are like those close talkers and I just like gently ease my way. And I flat out have told some people like, all right, you're a little close to me. Like, I just say it. Like, I just, I'm not like a very like, what is that? Like smooth person that I could like think of something like, oh, I wish you were further. For-. Like, I don't know. I just can't like think of that on the spot. I'm just like, blunt. I'm, I guess I am just blunt, but I just feel like it's better that way. But that's my opinion, you know? Yeah. Cool. That's good. I think it's just better to put it out there. Yeah, and most of the time people will appreciate it. They'll be like, oh, "Okay, I'm sorry. I, I do talk too close." And I'm just be like, mm-hmm, mm. "Proxemics, yeah. right?" What? Proxemics. What's that? That's like proximity. I'm assuming yeah. it's a word. It comes from the Greek word proximity. I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> I'm sure. You <gasps> everything. That's Are right. we ready for our newest segment? Our newest segment. Our newest segment is called Deb Talks, and that's where Deb and not Ted. You're frozen. Can you hear me? Okay, there you're back. Deb Talks yes. are when um, I interview a person who I find interesting, and today we're talking to Aislinn, the founder of Ace of Paws Dog Training Company. And she's also going to talk about how um, the things that we do and what, how that communicates and translates to animals and, and what they're able to get from us based on our verbal and nonverbal communication, whether that be tone or posture or eye contact. And uh, it was a great interview, and I learned a lot, and I'm going to apply some of her tips to my everyday life with my two dogs, Frankie and Oliver. And Maria, you have a dog too. AJ, yes. He's an old dog. And um, I always like think about like, oh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But I'm like, I don't think that's true. I think it's just simple behavior again, you know? Yeah. I mean, I taught Oliver how to ring a bell last year. That's great. He learned it in one night, so you can definitely. And he's twelve, so you can you can teach dogs anything. I think. I agree. Yeah. So that doesn't mean that they don't have challenging behaviors. Um. Well, we talk about it in the interview, so I don't want to give away too many things that I talk about. But okay. He 
you have any challenging behaviors with your dog? Uh, excessive barking. Oh, we talk about excessive bark barking, so uh, look forward to that. <laughs> Can't wait. And before we get to the interview, we're going to pause for a commercial break. This episode is brought to you by Covalent Careers, a career development company for new healthcare professionals. Covalent Careers provides new grads with education, mentorship, and job opportunities and provides employers with scalable talent acquisition solutions. Whether you're looking for a job, clinical tips, or advice on interviewing as a new grad, SLPs can find resources and job postings at covalentcareers.com backslash wine and cheese. This episode is also brought to you by ThroatScope. I love my ThroatScope. Hey, I love my ThroatScope too. ThroatScope is especially helpful for conducting thorough oral mechanism evaluations. Yes, because ThroatScopes are illuminated tongue depressors and retraction tools. It includes a reusable light handle that slides onto a single-use tongue depressor. ThroatScope integrates a natural light source to provide complete intraoral illumination for improved patient examination and outcomes. So if you want to feel like a prepared SLP, you're going to need a ThroatScope. Go to www.throatscope.com for more information. Check it out. And now we are introducing a new segment of SLP's Wine and Cheese called Deb Talks. And Maria has her own segment called Relaxing with Maria. And this is a segment where we interview people we find interesting. Today we are talking to Aislinn of Ace of Paws. She's also a longtime friend of mine. So... You're going to like this one. Stay tuned. Welcome, everyone. I decided to call this segment Deb Talks. And on our first Deb Talk, we have the lovely Aislinn. And I don't want to say too much about Aislinn. I would like you to tell us everything that you would like us to know about you. So go ahead, girl. Hi, Deb. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so nice to see your face again. I know, I've missed you. It's been too long. How long? Um, <laughs> my name's Aislinn. I am the owner of Ace of Paws Dog Training, located in Camden County, South Jersey. But we do um, the entire tri-state area. Uh, some of my other fellow trainers think I'm nuts because I literally travel anywhere. <laughs> oh my goodness. I just like helping people with their puppies and their dogs. <laughs> I didn't even know that. I thought you were just in Jersey, but good to yeah. know. I will go anywhere. I'll come up to Brooklyn, girl. <laughs> All right, because I, 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 for later in this uh, interview, I have a list of problematic behaviors that I'd like to target. <laughs> I will be more than happy to help you. <laughs> Great. So before we get too much into all of our dog talk, mm -hmm. uh, this is primarily a wine podcast. So I'm drinking Clean Slate. Rosé. It's a Pinot Noir from 2017. It's um, from Nahi, Germany. It's a oh. of rocky hills and a charming river. That's fancy. I yeah. like it. Here it is. They threw it there. Oh. Um, <laughs> and I got this because I'm moving to a new apartment and it's giving me a bit of um, worry. So I'm like, you know what? A new apartment is a clean slate. So I must have been um, destined to have this wine. I like it. That's cool. <laughs> we vote sink it or drink it every time we try a new wine, and I vote drink it because this wine is going down easy. <laughs> it, is, it is. It just tastes really smooth. I'm into rosé lately, too. That's what, well, mine's kind of a rosé. I would say it's like a light red. Um, mm -hmm. Drinking Charit Winery Crimson Sky, which the winery is literally two minutes around the corner from me. <laughs> oh, nice. So we're really lucky in South Jersey. We literally have, I don't know, 10 wineries within like a 10 minute range here. So I can walk to this winery. Wow. We were planning, um, we're thinking this fall, we're going to do an SLP's wine and cheese winery tour. So we were thinking Long Island, but maybe we'll do Jersey. You could come down to Jersey. I'll show you around. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. <laughs> So do you vote drink it or sink it on your wine? I drink it, yes. 
this is delicious. It's kind of fruity, um, but like, so it's not too heavy. I'm not like a super deep red wine drinker. I like mm -hmm. other light, dry wines, but this is kind of sweet. Good. Oh, nice. Cool. All right. So first off, before we even get into all of your Ace of Paws business, so Aislinn and I have known each other for a very long time, for about... Okay. 12 years now. Oh my God, has it been that long? Maybe 11 years, because I started, so we both worked at Caroline's on Broadway together as waitresses. Mm -hmm. I started in June 2007. When did you start? I think it was around the same time. I was going into... I think you started in August. Yeah, because I was going into my sophomore year of college at Pace University. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. And I remember I like just started working, but I was done training and I was like pretty familiar with things when you started. And it was my first waitressing job ever. And I was like flailing. Well, you did great. I mean, <laughs> no, I feel like everyone who I worked with there, like we all lied to get our way in. So oh, hell yeah, because I wanted money. I needed to make money. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, how are you supposed to be a waitress without waitressing experience, but how do you get hired? How do you get hired initially then? Right. Especially in Times Square. They're right. like, you need to have 10 years of experience. I was like, I'm 19. That's not happening. Yeah, I've totally been doing this since I was nine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My mom threw me into the restaurant. It's fine. No big well, deal. I was bringing everyone beers that I knew all the time growing up. So. <laughs> yeah. so yeah, we got that done. But yeah, so then Aislinn and I, um, we were waitresses together. We also lived together for a year. Yeah. And um, then she moved back to South Jersey. She started her business. And uh, yeah, so tell us about your background and training in terms of dogs. So it was, it's ironic. I started all this like literally after I moved back to South Jersey from your place of us living together. Yeah. I was a vet tech for four years, and then um, I really started to see a lot of behavior cases come in where dogs were being euthanized for aggression issues, and they were like one, two, three-year-old dogs where I was like, there had to be signs before this. There's no way these dogs were just automatically aggressive, and it always came out of the blue, so people said, and right. it really started like making my mind like go crazy. So um, I started working with this one veterinarian who <laughs> she used to get in trouble all the time for taking too long at her appointment, <laughs> but she would take an hour and a half instead of the 20 minute visit. because She never wanted to make a dog feel rushed or pressured or stressed. And I was like, that's a beautiful thing. Like, that's so cool to me. Mm -hmm. So um, I started my Penn Foster certification um, through, for basic obedience. So I graduated with that. Um, and then I decided that vet teching was a little bit too anxious ridden for me because I'm a creature of anxiety. <laughs> and I decided to do uh, Ace of Paws full time. And I really just started off asking and begging my mom's friends and family friends to like let me train their dog. <laughs> um, but Not then, that deal. right? Yeah, there was, I was like free training for you know experience for me. Right. Uh, but um, then I, it really, it really started to take off. Um, so I, I have my certification in Penn Foster Career School, but I'm also enrolled in Catch Canine Academy now to be a behavior consultant. So once I'm done this, I have about a year left. I will be able to take on aggression cases and whatnot, which is awesome. Oh, okay. So there's like levels to that type of certification. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of, it's a very unregulated field. So a lot of people say that they're certified or say that they take on these crazy aggression cases. And I find a lot of clients coming back to me with their dogs worse because they fell into the wrong hands, unfortunately. Right. Um, told them the wrong things to do. Exactly. And it's, um, it's scary, but um, yeah, so that's, I mean, my current schooling, which is all self-paced, which is a struggle because uh, we're three months out from our wedding, so I've been planning. Oh, right. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. We're technically already married, but... <laughs> oh, nice. Well, I mean, you didn't do the party yet then, right? Yes, exactly. We didn't celebrate anything, so I'm like, okay, school, wedding, how do I do all this? Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the background. And then, uh, my first rescue was uh, severely aggressive and he also got my mind thinking like, how do I fix this? I have to, there has to be a way to make these dogs not react this way to people coming in the door or aggression towards other dogs or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. So it's been five years now, uh, since I started Ace of Paws, which is cool. Wow. Yeah, I know. 
that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, like, is it crazy running your own business? It, um, I've lost my mind a lot. And last year was actually my first year having employees. So 2018, um, I have four girls right now and they're rock stars. Like they're hard workers. I don't have to light a fire under their ass. Like they're literally like, what do you need to do? I'll get this. I'll get that. And they're on top of it, which is amazing. Um, but it's, it's, you have employees. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I have three, well, there's two lead trainers other than myself and then a dog walker as well. So mm -hmm. we started incorporating dog walking, um, just to help out our regular training clients while they were away at uh, work during the day. But, um, it, it, the dog walking got to be a little bit crazy. We've been walking about 40 to 50 dogs a week on top of training sessions every night. And, um, it got to be a lot. <laughs> right. Wow. So we're trying to focus more on behavior and training now and kind of back off on the dog walking a little bit. Right. Is it good for carryover though, too, to have the dog walking? Because yeah. it's like you're doing these lessons and then you're able to carry it over to the walking. Yes. And then that way we can be consistent because a lot of owners are busy and they don't have time to literally practice all the training and the leash training that we've done on a daily basis. So when we have a walker coming in once or twice a day, that's keeping it consistent. So they're 104 pound Roddy isn't dragging them down the street. Right. This is just like speech therapy because it's like you do what you do in the speech therapy session and you give homework, which is hopefully carry over so that they can generalize those skills. Yes. Client yes. compliance is huge. And I, I'm sure it is the theme where, you know, I, I love all my clients, but sometimes I'll come back the following week and they're like, nothing has changed. And I'm like, well, have you done your homework? Well, no, it was really busy. Okay, then we're right. going to get the same results. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Therapy has to be frequent and intense yes. and consistent. Yep. <laughs> so um, we got into your background training and motivation. So can you tell me how do dogs communicate with each other and with humans? Is that the same or different? It's actually, um, it's very similar, which a lot of people, when they come to us and they're saying, my dog's doing this and my dog's doing that, clients don't realize what they are doing, the dogs are responding to. And the reason why that is, is because dogs are always reading body language and they're always giving off body language signals. So even something as subtle as if you're staring a dog directly in their eyes and they kind of shift their eyes away, they're telling you they're uncomfortable. And that you should probably stop leaning over them and reaching over them and staring directly into their eyes. It's a very like threatening posture from the human. Right. Um, but they, they give off such subtle cues. So even back to what we were saying earlier, when they say a dog bit somebody out of nowhere, there are always telltale signs, but people just don't know what to look for. Right. So that's where people get in trouble. They don't realize that the dog averting their attention or even just the shifting of their ears or the raising of their hackles on their back or even the level of their tail. Even some people are like, oh, my dog's tail was wagging. Well, what was their entire body doing while their tail was wagging? If their tail was wagging, it could be a nervous wag if their eyes are like this and their ears are pinned back. Mm -hmm. so that's basically our job is to come in and really educate people on how to read your dog. So they're talking to us all the time just because it's not vocally doesn't mean they're not speaking to us. Right. Crazy, <laughs> crazy and mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can definitely see that. The thing, though, um, I have two dogs, as you know, and um, if the listeners don't know, I have a 12-year-old Yorkie named Oliver. He's 12. 12. Oh, my God. I love him. <laughs> not at 12, but he is 12. I thought he would calm down. He is not. He is the same dog that you lived with. Um, and now I have a one and a, almost one and a half year old uh, sharp pay pug mix or Oreo or, or sharp pug. Mm -hmm. um, but so I do feel like both of them stare at me dead in my eyes. So I look back at them, I, but they don't look away. And like, so I feel like that's okay. Yeah, they honestly, when they, so we even actually teach a cue, it's called watch me for the owners mm -hmm. to be able to call attention from whatever the dogs are doing to call focus back onto them. And with their owner, especially someone that they build a bond with, it's not so threatening. But if a stranger comes in and is like, be my right. friend, it's right. very intimidating. But you, they've built a, a bond and trust with you that it's kind of like, oh, that's my mommy. No big right. deal. Well, I mean, I feel a little threatened. <laughs> Oliver's staring at me in my eyes barking and he's like, get me a treat. And I know that's what he's saying. Yeah. You don't own me. <laughs> He is very demanding. I remember that about him. He's so demanding. That's on the list. But we didn't get to the list yet. 
dogs primarily communicate with their body language and also, I guess, verbally with the barking. Yeah, and they do actually have many, like many, many reasons why they can be barking. And even though we're the professionals that come into the home, an owner truly knows their dog's vocalizations better than anybody. Like my <laughs> Evie girl, she's six and a half and she does an excited growl, which sounds crazy, but when new people come in, she's and somebody that doesn't know her, she's 70 pounds, they're like, that's a pit bull growling at me. That's terrifying. And I'm like, that's actually her happy growl. <laughs> I'm so crazy saying that, but I know my dog. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Frankie does this like very throaty growl too, mm-hmm. but he does it when I don't let him say hi to a dog. It's like oh. he's very offended and he wants yeah. to be able to say hi. But then people like assume that he's going to like try to fight them or the dog because he's growling. Yeah. But they, really, the problem is Oliver will attack that dog. So <laughs> I, Oliver the fierce. <laughs> yeah, the 12-pound, 12 12-year-old 12 will bite the 70-pound pit bull and um, lose. He will lose, probably. They always start at the little guys. They'll start the fight, but they can't finish it, especially if they pick it with an 80-pound something else. Like. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's, like, the weird dynamic we have. But Frankie definitely does that, like, it's a very scary-sounding growl, but I've never seen him do anything in Could frustration. A yeah. With the leash, they can get frustrated. Like, hey, I want to go say hi. And if they're not able to, they literally let out this vocalization that sounds somewhere, like, a cross between a T-Rex and, like, a pterodactyl or something <laughs> yeah yeah and that's what it sounds like yeah he is not happy about it and he then he gets mad at Oliver he'll like step on him because he's like look what you did <laughs> you did this you did this. no I can't say hi because you can't control yourself you're always turned and that's how <laughs> So, yeah, so you said vocalizations, which is true. There's barking and there's growling. Um, Howling, even barks have different ranges of, like, a low tone to a high-pitched yiping, depending on the breed. Some offer some more. Um, But they can... There's a beep. (laughs) We had an emergency flood warning on our phone. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Mary put it on silent. (laughs) Okay. I was just earlier telling Aislinn how I don't like alarms. <laughs> and then the emergency flood warning goes off. I might be whisked away. I like to hear about emergencies. You know, fill me in on that. Right, right. You're like, yeah, maybe tornado warning. I might want to know about that. Oh, ring a bell. <laughs> I'll take your bell. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um... We talked about what dogs do to communicate, but what do they understand from us? So with us, kind of like relating back to what I mentioned earlier, a lot of clients don't know or they don't realize how what they're doing is inciting a bad behavior from a dog. So like sometimes they'll be like, oh, my six-month-old puppy is growling and snapping at me. And I'm like, okay, so tell me about the context of the situation. What happened? They're like, well, they peed on the floor and then I yelled at them and pointed in their face and I was like, what did you do? And I said, okay, I'm going to do that to you right now. How does that make you feel? (laughs) And I'm like, if my fiance is yelling at me and pointing in my face and saying all these terrible things, you think I'm not going to bite him or come back at him? I'm like, you have to realize what you're doing as an owner. And it's again, back to the subtle cues. We even give off subtle cues. So say if we're squared off with our dog or leaning over them or just kind of like hovering a little bit, they're going to react to that. Um, Especially strangers coming in the house. I want to say like 90% of our issues are dogs that are nervous around people coming in the house that are new. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't realize like dogs actually take time to warm up to you. And given, especially if it's a rescue with potential trauma and it's past and everything, everybody's like, oh, it's just a dog. No, they have a wide range of complex emotions that especially coupled with trauma, you're going to have to earn that dog's trust. And we actually had a dog, our, our Corsi girl passed away in December from lymphoma, um, but she had to be properly introduced to any strangers coming into our house. And if they didn't do the routine that I recommended, she would attack and bite and jump. Like 83-pound pit bull. Like, she was a big girl. (laughs) But she was also roaming the streets of Camden when we got her at a year and a half. We have no idea what did or didn't happen to her. 
But once somebody went through the whole routine of we would make them come and sit at the kitchen table and toss high value treats her way. Then we go on a whole walk around the backyard and then she'd be your best friend. But if you didn't do that, you're setting yourself up for failure. Right. High value treats. What's that? Like a steak? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Um, I like that. I'm writing that down. High value treats. So it can be, anything can be high value. It really depends on the dog. For example, um, it depends on the dog what is rewarding. So it can be food, it can be toys, play or praise. Like our Eve girl that we have now, we have a jolly ball. I don't know if you've ever seen a jolly ball. It's like huge with the handle on the end. Yeah. I bring that ball out, the rest of the world fades away. And that's the only thing that matters to her. Um, Dogs literally could look at a ball and not even care at all. So it really depends. Um, there was this one dog I was working with long and short. Um, I actually cooked ground turkey for this dog for this visit. This was like four years ago. And she was lunging and kind of barking and growling on the leash, like you're saying Frankie does. And I literally was trying to get her attention, trying to do watch me, trying to have her sit. And she was just blowing past me, still barking at this dog. So the owner's like, I have these dry crummy treats inside that she loves. Can I go get them? I'm like, please, we need to find out what this dog's high value item is. She brings out these brittle, dry, crummy things. That dog sits. She does watch me. She's looking at the other dog, not making a peep and solely focused on the owner. So right. they decide what's high value to them. Mm-hmm. You just kind of have to trial and error it a little bit, but you're also combating the distractions. In speech therapy, we call that an interest inventory. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. Um, so so dogs are able to understand our our body language and our tone. Um, so how do I convey to my dog that I like a behavior? So when you like a behavior, you want to reward it or you want to make a big deal out of it. And kind of what I said um, about like rewards can vary between the dogs. So like, for example, my old shepherd mix was purely praise motivated outside with high distractions. He didn't care about food. He didn't care about toys. It was all touch and praise. Mm -hmm. So um, it depends on the dog. Like Evie, (laughs) I could praise her until the cows come home and she gives zero shits about it. it. But food and toys is her high value thing. So if she does something really good, I'm going to give her her favorite item, which is usually peanut butter. Um, (laughs) But if she doesn't, or if I don't like something that she's doing, the removal of a reward speaks high volumes to them. So what I mean by that is you might have dealt with this with your puppy. Um, Say they're mouthing and jumping and nipping and you're trying to like walk away and turn away and trying to withdraw attention, but they're still nipping at you. Mm -hmm. You their reward in that moment because it's fun for them it's a game for them so you have to remove yourself within one to two seconds of that act of mouthing or jumping or whatever it might be um we call it reverse timeouts which is basically your dog's mouthing or jumping at you put yourself in a separate room or across the baby gate for 10 to 15 seconds rinse and repeat it's almost like a kid with timeouts as a child um, but they're really effective um, because that dog never wants to be apart from you. <laughs> so if they notice and associate every time they mouth you or bite you or jump on you that they lose you for 10 to 15 seconds. That is going to decrease that behavior. Okay. So I def- yeah, I definitely would uh, remove myself from the situation if I felt like Frankie was mouthing me. He really yeah. was never much of a chewer on anything though so that didn't happen too much um frankie actually is like the best dog that ever existed and um he doesn't really have any problematic behaviors that aren't ignited by oliver yeah oliver starts it all um 12 year old dog (laughs) bad influence this is like older siblings are very bad influences yeah (laughs) it's true they are um So then now um, I'm going to get into my behaviors that I feel like are the hardest for me to tackle. Yes. So um, excessive barking. Now I know because Oliver is a Yorkie, that's just like something that he will have innately within him. Is that accurate or? Yeah. uh, Genetics have a huge, huge part to play in that for sure. Right. But it is, it does drive me insane. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it. I do. Like, um, I, like, 
and they're like for the most part like he is communicating something with me and but like a lot of times I'm like no it's inappropriate for you to be yelling at me like this so what I do is like if he's telling me and I could tell like oh like sometimes he's barking at me and I'm like what is wrong and then I'm like oh you don't have any water mm-hmm. I get it okay so then I so then I'm not mad I give him water or like Sometimes my dogs, they decide when they want to eat and when they don't want to eat, not according to the schedule, like they're fed according to the schedule, but sometimes they might get a little bit like snotty about their, their food that they're eating. So they won't eat, which makes them very hungry at some points. Yeah. And then they start like demanding food from me. Well, mostly just Oliver. (laughs) So... If he does want it, and I'm like, oh, now you're ready to eat the food, then I'll give it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, as he told me, and, like, I'm a speech therapist, and I, that's just how I operate, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there are other times when he is excessively barking because people are not coming into the house, but they're leaving. Mm, okay. And like when anyone puts their shoes and jackets on, For that's sure. when he starts barking. Mm-hmm. Um, he... Barks at other dogs on the leash, but not off-leash at the dog park. Okay. And he'll bark at me. And, like, when he inappropriately, like, barks at me for treats, that drives me insane, too. (laughs) I don't know if there's three separate techniques for those types of behaviors, but... Yeah, so with the people leaving, um, that actually sounds like it's anxiety-based. A lot of dogs have a threshold thing with people coming in or going. And if people are putting on their jackets and putting on their shoes, it is an indicator that they know somebody's going out. And it's a lot of commotion usually where people yeah. buy or you're getting your bag or you're saying whatever. Um, right. Which makes the departure way worse. Because yeah. like, it's like, do I have everything? I don't know. I can't think because Oliver is barking. Right. Now, does he ever nip when he's doing that, too? No. Oh, good. You're, you're lucky with that. I know the barking is high-pitched and annoying, but you're yeah. lucky with that. Some dogs go... I'd rather and... get bit. <laughs> I, I don't know. I've been bit by some little babies, and I had a puncture in my knee, and I'm like, this dog was not happy I was leaving the house. It is not fun. Right. Um, but so any, any dog that, whatever breed they might be, um, through years of evolution, they were bred for a specific purpose. So why I say that is because they constantly need jobs to do. So even like toy breeds and whatnot, now modern day, they're companion animals, but they have these innate drives to have to perform and have to do these duties. So what we do um, for dogs that get anxious with people leaving, um, we give them a job to do. So basically we give them a safe place that they either have to, when people are coming or going, go to sit, lay down and stay. And through practices of repetition and consistency and patience. They learn that every time they go to this place, no matter whether someone's coming or going, really good things happen to them. And it starts to change their emotional response to that presence of the stimuli of somebody coming in or leaving. Um, But it takes a lot of practice, especially as a 12-year-old dog. (laughs) You're combating 12 years of his normal habits. (laughs) That that shit might have failed, but uh, we're moving to the so... I can try to, you know, instill new spots and new routines. Yeah, and combined with something high value, though. So when people are coming or going, that's really a potent, exciting thing. So you would need something. um, I can actually send you a couple links. One of our high value items, if if he's food motivated, um, they're called, uh, is he? Yeah, he loves, uh, like, mostly human food, but then anything dog, treat, rabbit flavored. Okay. He's a cartwheel if you like. <laughs> he's very smart. You could train him to do any trick. Like, and it's not like he is completely untrained. It's just he's he can't be tamed. He's he has like, his little quirky quirky tendencies, as I like to call them. Yeah. Um, it really so. There's some um, Red Barn Choppers beef lung. They're mm-hmm. these like big beef lung treats that you can take into these little tiny pieces. Um, They're really potent, high value. There's also uh, Thinker Salmon Treats. They're made by Play-Doh. They're really fishy smelling, but they're really potent to the dog where they're like, what is that? Oh, humans leaving. Okay, no big deal. I like these instead. And to help change that emotional response that when they focus on that, regardless of what else is going on, they start to associate it with a good thing and not a stressful thing. Should I put like a bucket next to my door or something so I have easy access to these trees? That's actually a perfect suggestion to have a stash ready to go where they right. can't reach. 
um, something right. that you can use. Because these bags, they come in resealable bags, so you can usually just put them up high somewhere. Um, but some of our clients will actually leave a bucket by their foyer uh, with tennis balls in it because that's their dog's high value item just to have right. them focus on that. So it's a good suggestion. Okay. Yeah. Because I feel like, uh, like all these ideas are good and, and not things I've never thought of. It's just the accessibility. Like you don't always have that thing right there in yeah. the midst of chaos. A lot of it's about being proactive too. So if you know somebody's coming or you're going to be leaving, it's okay, let's get him in his training mode and give him a job to do before he reacts because it's almost harder to bring them out of that heightened state of adrenaline if, unless you're, you know, getting them to work prior to. Right. Um, and then, so the other thing that's annoying about Oliver is <laughs> marketing. And then, so, and I feel like, even recently, we've had a little bit more marking, and somebody was like, maybe he can't control his bladder now that he's older, but I'm like, he's still lifting his leg. Is he, is he neutered? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes it can be, again, like a, so dogs can actually get OCD. <laughs> it's called canine compulsive disorder, CCD. <laughs> um, right where if this kind of had some type of reinforcing quality about it when he was younger, it just kind of like continued. Is he marking in the house or is outside? Outside always excessively, but then recently it started happening inside and that's enough to kill you too. Like, How long ago? Um, like noticeably and like frequently, like maybe like throughout the 12 years it happens sparingly, but like, I feel like within the past three months, I've been like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Are you taking him to your vet to just um, double check for like a UTI or make sure like there's no um, blood work changes or anything like that? Well, we went because he got, um, a year ago, he got 19 teeth retracted, which changed oh. his whole behavior. He was so much better after because I suppose he was in a lot of pain from the... Yeah decay so then that was like a miracle worker so I was like oh Oliver's cured and then just recently this happened so we went but we didn't talk about peeing because it wasn't yeah and he didn't really probably a lot of other stuff going on that you were focused yeah, on yeah we were just making it we were like shots and teeth so we didn't talk about peeing <laughs> But yeah, they, I mean, so males can get UTIs a lot easier because their urethra is so, so much smaller than a female. Mm -hmm. um, I would just double check for that. You always want to rule out medical issues prior to um, assuming it's behavioral. So like, okay. you, especially- I have assumed it's behavioral because I do think Oliver is very smart and he like just does things. It just makes, he like knows how to make you crazy. He's like- <laughs> Well, look what I'm gonna do. Right, that's actually a common theme with dogs that are super intelligent. Um, they're actually more of a challenge for the owner. Because yeah. They can problem solve a lot easier than the lazy dog and they can think outside the box a little bit. So uh, they're almost like your ADHD child that is bouncing out of their seat in class because they don't know what to do with themselves. It's very similar. Um, yeah, so that's how I feel about him. He's <laughs> yeah. It could be could be anxiety based it could be OCD based um it could be because Frankie's in his teenagehood now at a year and a half and he's coming into his emotional maturity and Oliver now feels the you know it might be the time to start marking his territory but I think that option is maybe less likely I would okay. always make sure yeah I don't I don't know what their relationship's like but he's been with Frankie for so long do they ever challenge each other like um if they do Frankie loses hard <laughs> So, <laughs> Oliver's the boss. He's the boss, and he's mean. Oh, sometimes I like want it. Well, they are nice to each other. They're definitely friends, and like Frankie does what he can to calm Oliver and Mike down because both Oliver and Mike are very dramatic. <laughs> as soon as they like get loud or shout about anything, there comes Frankie pawing and like doing those flea bites. Yeah, he does that to both of them. Oh my god. Now does Frankie back down to Oliver too if Oliver tries to set like a boundary? He'll get upset. Like he'll go like hmm. <laughs> and, like, lay down and be like, why? Oh, why don't you like me? That's good though, because I was curious about if his Oliver's peeing was like marking over Frankie. Because if a teenage dog is trying to challenge the older dog, sometimes uh -huh. they may turn to be up wanting 
one-upping them a little bit um, right. with the status he can. But Frankie's like an angel. He doesn't do anything in the house. He's so, but he's, a, I also read before we got him that his breed is very susceptible to OCD mm -hmm. too. And yeah. he really is like, he only pees in certain spots. Like he'll, and like, he'll go outside and he'll do like really one long void. It's not like, but Oliver will stop at every single thing that's standing, every bag, every fold, every, everything. He wants to pee on everything outside. Could be his sense of smell too. Are there a lot of dogs in your neighborhood? Yeah. Yeah. Um, their, their sense of smell is in, insane. I mean, they have 300 million olfactory cells in their cell and humans have in their noses and humans have like 6 million. <laughs> they have a crazy amount more than us that I can't imagine the sense that he picks up outside. So it might be him marking over other dogs too. Right. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Cause he, he does do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last issue, um, I think I've watched lots of videos on this and I'm doing my best, but, um, Frankie with the leash pulling has not, it, it's definitely gotten better and he does like to walk as a group best, but he still sometimes just pulls. And I, I stop every time he pulls, I make him come back. I walk the other direction. We yeah. do that like spin around thing. I don't know if it's just because I'm the only one doing it. And <laughs> Mike is just running because there's <laughs> It's like Frankie is running away. <laughs> running, well, I think I think Mike's trying to be proactive, where he's like, "Well, I'm just gonna run so that you can't pull." <laughs> I'm honestly, and Frankie might be getting used to that pace because right. naturally they run at a, or they walk at a faster pace. So if Mike's always running with him and you're always walking with him, he's probably trying to find a balance a little bit. Where <laughs> um, <laughs> he's like, but he always takes me that way. How are we? Right. Yeah, I know. I could tell like, so it's like children being like, well, dad lets me do this. And I'm like, he's not here. Consistency is huge. And it's, it's good that he's given him an outlet to exercise, but there should definitely be maybe sometimes where he just walks with him. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you've seen me post about it, but there's this harness for power pullers that I literally rave about. It's called a freedom. Oh. Harness. I will send you the link on it because we're actually an affiliate of them. Oh um, yeah. Send the link so that uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, that would be awesome because um, we've been recommending their harnesses for the past three years and okay. they finally just made an affiliate program where they're like, Hey, you want to partner with us? I was like, yes, I swear by these things. So basically this harness is for power pullers. So every time that they try to pull you, it starts to turn them a little bit back towards you, but coupled with doing the leash exercises, like you were saying, um, every time he even puts tension on that leash for one second, you want to spin around, go in the opposite direction. However, you want to have high value items out on your walk with you. So whether, and it's really stylish, but they did come back into style. I always have a fanny pack on me. <laughs> yes, I've been doing the fanny pack. So yeah. One of the reasons why we are moving is because our new place will have a backyard. Yeah. And um, right now our choice has always had to be, we have to walk both dogs together, especially if we're going to be at work for an extended period of time. We want to make sure both dogs are outside for a long time. Yeah. Instead of two short walks, we choose one long walk. Also, yeah. I don't know if they understand first and next. So whoever I choose to go first, I always feel guilty leaving that other person, the other dog inside. Um, so now we're moving to the backyard where I feel like Oliver will be quite pleased to just peruse in the backyard and Frankie will do the backyard, but then also go on longer walks, whereas Oliver gets exhausted and slow. Really quickly. <laughs> right. Like he's getting dragged at that point, which is hard. <laughs> With his one and a half year old brother, Frankie's taking him for a ride. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I think Oliver could keep up, but he also doesn't like, he doesn't want to follow Frankie's lead. He wants to go in his own direction. He doesn't want to do things just because Frankie wants to. And I could tell. Oliver beats to his own drum, for sure. <laughs> he does. Well, that's good yeah. that you guys are getting a backyard, too, because it, it is actually beneficial to still take them on walks, too, even though you have the backyard now, um, just for right. mental stimulation and physical stimulation. Right. I'm going to try to, though, we have, like, a patio, and then we have, like, a, a dirt area that we're going to put grass, and on the patio, so, like, while we're outside, Oliver could be out in the backyard, and I'm going to put Frankie on the leash and just go back and forth. Yeah. 
on that patio. That's my plan for summer. So yeah, I'll document it so that I could stay um, accountable. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, that's the best thing to do. I always tell clients videotape yourself because right. a lot of the time, even when we're doing obedience training and stuff, they don't realize just the slight movement of their hand or that their body posture is a little bit off until they actually see themselves. They're like, oh, you were right. <laughs> I'm like, I do it to myself because I don't notice that I have two hands out at the same time. And sometimes that can confuse dogs. So right. It's good. It's yeah. good to hold yourself accountable. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, that wraps up our interview. Thank you so much, Aislinn. Can you tag or like just a, you can plug any of your social media right now, any contact, any information that you want the listeners to hear? Yeah. Um, so we are on Instagram at Ace of Paws Training. Um, and our Facebook page is Ace of Paws LLC. Um, we are an all positive based training company and we come to our clients' homes to target the environment. So it's very convenient for a lot of people with families that they don't have to drag all of their children out to training class. We come to you. Oh, that's very convenient. Good. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Aislinn. Thank you for having me. <laughs>